Welcome back to the project Lakutas Sikhas. We will be learning today Lakutas Sikhas Chelik Tezbov, Volume 15, the first Sikha for Pasha's Vallero, which is the Sikha on Erashi. It's a rather unusual Pirish Rashi because Rashi discusses the Nekudos, the dots on top of the letters of a word in a Sefer Torah. And he explains what the function of those dots is. And the Rebbe explains how, according to that, Rashi understands the Pshat in the Postuk. So that leads us to, into some interesting directions, which are not the typical Sikha the Rashi is in Pedic Yud Ches, Postuk Tes, chapter 18, Postuk 9. And the Rashi is in two parts. The Rebbe will bring the first part of the Rashi, discuss it, and ask questions. And then he brings the second part and asks another couple of questions. The Postuk says that when the three visitors came to Avroham, those three visitors who subsequently turned out to be Malochim, <coughs> when they came to Avroham and he served them, afterwards they said, Bayoimru Elov, they said to him, where is your wife, Sora? So Rashi quotes from the postbook, they said to him, the word a love has the dots on three out of the four letters. A love is four letters, Aleph, Lamed, Yud, Vov, and out of those four letters, the three letters, Aleph, Yud, Lamed, have dots over them. Torashi explains that there's a dot over the letters, Aleph, Yud, Vov, in the word Elov, which form a word in itself. It means Ayoi. Where is he? Says Rashi, Reb Shimon ben Elozor taught that wherever you have a dotted word, then if the dotted letters are the majority, then you expound them. If the undotted letters are the majority, then you expound those. Over here, where the majority, three out of four letters, are dotted. So we expound the dotted letters as though it were written, Ayoy, where is he? And that teaches us that in addition to asking Avroham, where is your wife, Soro? They asked her, where is he? Where is Avroham? And that teaches us 
that when a person comes to uh, stay at a host, he should inquire of the husband about the wife and of the wife about the husband. That's the first part of the Rashi. Says the Rebbe, there are four questions here. Number one, why does Rashi bring in his citation from the Postuk? Why does he bring also the word by Yoimru? He doesn't seem to be explaining the word by Yoimru, and they said he's explaining the word a love. So that's all he should have brought from the Postuk. Number two, Rashi brings that this interpretation about the dots on the letters was said by Reb Shimon ben Elozor. Rashi is not in the habit of bringing the authors of the statements of the Gemara or the Medrash, which he incorporates into his commentary. He doesn't usually quote the names. Why here? Why is it relevant? In other words, what greater explanation do we have for this idea that a person should inquire of the host about the hostess and the hostess about the host? Why do we know it better? Because it was said by the Shimon ben Eloza. The third question is about the rule in general that wherever the dotted letters are the majority, we expound them. And wherever the undotted letters are the majority, we expound them. So why should that be? If you want to, for example, in our word, a love, if you want to expound the letters, Aleph, Yud, Bob, as Ayoy, all you need to do is dot the Lamed, being that the Lamed would then be the minority you would then expound the undotted letters, Aleph, Yud, Bob, which are Ayoy. Why dot the majority? Fourthly, in addition to the difficulties in the Rashi on the spot, there's also a conflict here with Rashi later on. In the story, in our parsha, the story of Lloyd escaping from the city of Sedoim, which was overturned and destroyed by Hashem through his angels, it said that Lloyd took refuge in a cave. His daughters didn't know whether there's anyone else left out in the outside world to continue the human race. They thought everything was destroyed. So in order to continue humanity, they got their father, Lloyd, drunk. They slept with him. And indeed, both of them conceived and gave birth to children from their father, Lloyd. Now, the way they got their father drunk was the first night the elder sister gave her father wine to drink and then slept with him. 
the next night, the younger sister. Now, when the Torah relates about the elder sister the first night, the post says that Lloyd Loyoda Beshichvo Uvekumo. He didn't know when she lay next to him and when she got up. Says Rashi, the word Uvekumo and when she got up are dotted. And that tells us that he did know when she got up. He was aware. He was already coming back to himself. That Rashi there. So we see from that Rashi that the letters in a word, the dotted letters in a word come to uproot that word seemingly as though it were not there, as though the word Uvekuma, and when he, she got up, he didn't know when she got up, it's as though they, they, the word wasn't there. So how can Rashi say over here that when you have a majority of dotted letters, you expound those letters so the word is definitely there, That's all about the first part of the Rashi. Rashi continues that in Bova Metziah, in Tractate Bova Metziah and Gemara, they say that the angels knew where Sora was, but they wanted to, to make a point of the fact that she's a snua, she's modest. She doesn't parade around. She's in the tent. And why did they want to make a point of it? In order to endear Sora to her husband, Avraham Avinu. And Rashi continues, said Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanino, that they asked where she is in order to send her a koishel brocha. A koishel brocha is a cup over which a brocha was said, usually the brocha of Birkas Hamozoin, the blessing after meals. So after the benching over a cup, you send the cup of brocha to the household. In this case, they wanted to send the koishel brocha to Soro. So they asked Avraham Avinu, where is Sora? That's the end of the Rashi. Now here the Rebbe has seven questions. First of all, it says that um, they knew where she was, but they wanted to endear her to Avraham. That doesn't explain the point that Rashi raises at the beginning, which is that the word is dotted, the three letters Aleph Yud Vov are dotted, that explains the words in the Posuk, Aye Soro Ishtecha, where is Soro? So Rashi should have written that in a new section, in a new comment, uh, citing the words. Where is your wife, Sora? 
and not as though it were flowing from his previous point by Love, and they said to him, and Rashi points out that the three letters Aleph Yudvov are dotted. There's no flow. And the question is even stronger. When Rashi brings from Bova Mitzia that they asked where Sora is in order to endear her to Avram, that actually conflicts with the earlier comment that they asked Soro about Avraham. And that's not so, that modest. They're engaging with her. So how does Rashi bring both Pirush and both comments in one flow? Second, why is it important for Rashi to point out that this Pirush is written in Bove Mitzia? Rashi doesn't usually point out his sources. Third, why does Rashi point out that the author of this statement that they wanted to send Sora a Koishobrocha was Rabbi Yoisi Bar Hanine? How is that relevant? How does that add explanation? Fourth, why in fact did the Malochim, the angels, send? to Sora from their Koishobrocha. Why not have Sora partake of the Koishobrocha of her own husband? Fifth, Rashi says here three different reasons about why the Malochim inquired about Sora. One, in order to inquire of the host about the hostess. Two, in order to make a point of her modesty. Three, in order to send to her the kois shel brocha. Why is it important to have three reasons for the same point? Sixth, even more, Rashi already said before that one of the points for which, one of the reasons that they came to Avram was in order to inform Soro the tidings that she would conceive from Avram and give birth. So we understand why they wanted to know where Sora is, why they wanted to engage with her, to share this good, good news. So why does Rashi look for any reason why they're asking Avroham about Sora. Seventh, the three reasons that Rashi brings are all separate reasons. They are not connected to each other. Why does Rashi write them all in one flow without saying as he usually does, Dovor Acher, another point, Another explanation or some similar expression which would divide the three up each from another. And the question is even stronger because in the source which Rash is quoting, namely the Gemara Bava Metziah, it indeed says that they asked about Sora in order to make a point of her modesty. 
רבי יוסי בר חנינא אומר, but רבי יוסי בר חנינא said that it was in order to stand her כוישו ברוכה. Now that kind of construction, first the name of the stage and then what he said, indicates that he's arguing on the earlier opinion, where it says, quote, Omar Reploini said so-and-so, and he then quote him, then it just means that he said the following statement. It doesn't necessarily indicate an argument, but where you quote an opinion of one person, and then you say, that so-and-so says, that indicates that the second person argues on the first. So it comes out that the two, the two reasons, one, that they asked to point out her modesty, and two, that they asked in order to send her a coach of Rocha, are conflicting reasons. Yet Rashi brings them all as though, we, they, were, as though they were all one flow. The Rebbe explains that in fact the catalyst for Rashi's comment is indeed that word by Yorimru, they said to Avroham, where is Torah? Why they? It would seem that the reason they asked about Torah altogether is that we learned before in order to tell her the good tidings that she would have a child. But for that, one malach was sent for, on that mission, as Rashi said earlier in the parsha. So why are they asking Avroham about Sora? Why the plural? And now we understand why Rashi cites from the postuk the word by Yoimru, and they said because that's what forcing Rashi to look for another reason why they're asking about Sora. Without that, without that plural, Rashi would have understood simply that they're asking about Sora in order to tell her the good news. But because it's said Vayoyimru plural, and there would only be one Malach who was sent to inform Sora of the good tidings, so why are they asking about her. That's what pushes Rashi to look for another reason. And that's why Rashi cites it in the Kepel, in the heading of his Pirush. And that's why Rashi answers that from this we learn that one should inquire of the host about the hostess and the hostess about the host. Since all the Malochim asked, where is Torah? That wasn't just in order to share the good news, but because one is supposed to ask the host about the host, so everybody did what they're supposed to. And since the, the word by Yoimru proves that we're meant to inquire the host about the hostess, which is the same reason why one should ask the hostess about the host. Therefore, we understand that they indeed asked Sora as well about Avraham 
Where do we see that in the Bostik? The Bostik doesn't seem to say that they inquired of Sora about Avram. Says Rashi that Hinteret is alluded to by the dots on top of the three letters in the word Elov, Aleph, Yud, Vav, we spell Ayoyim. And this is why Rashi gets into the issue of the dots on the letters. Normally, Rashi doesn't explain dots. Rashi often, I should say, does not find it necessary to explain the dots because in Pshuta Shalmikra, the simple reading of the word, it, it doesn't feature. The dots don't feature. Why over here does he find it necessary to explain the dots? Because that explains the other half of the statement that Rashi uses to explain why they asked, they asked about Sora. Why is that? Because that's a practice. When you come to a host, you inquire about the hostess. But the other half of that is that you inquire of the hostess about the host. But where is that in the Pasuk? Sadrashi is alluded to in the dots. <clears throat> but this leaves us with a difficulty because when it says that you should inquire of the host about the hostess, it means, how is your wife? How is she doing? How's Mrs. So-and-so? It's, it's totally irrelevant exactly where she is. So if they're asking about her as a matter of etiquette, of inquiring after the welfare of the hostess, why are they asking where she is? So there must be something important about her location. That's why Rashi continues with the second section of his comment that in Bava Metziah says that they wanted to make a point of the fact that she's in the tent in order to point out her modesty so as to endear her to Avraham Avinu. And then the other the other uh, point why it was important where she is exactly is because they want to send the Koshobrocha. And parenthetically, says the Rebbe, by bringing that they wanted to point out her modesty, Rashi is, by the way, answering another question. When you have dot on top of letters in a word, it indicates that the meaning of this word here with the dots is different from the usual meaning of that word. For example, when Rashi talks about the encounter between Yaakov Abinu and his brother Eistov after Yaakov was away for 20 years, he had run away because Esau wanted to kill him because Esau felt that Yaakov had stolen the blessing from him. So Yaakov runs away. He stays away for 20 years. He's finally coming home. And um, Esau meets him. And instead of the enmity that Yaakov thought that Esau still harbored, the Pesach said, Vayishokeu. He kissed him, Esau kissed him. And the word Vayishokeyu, and he kissed him, had dots on it. 
What are those dots doing there? Says Rashi, this teaches us, according to one interpretation, that he didn't kiss him wholeheartedly. And according to the other interpretation, that he didn't behave as Aesop usually did. In this case, he kissed him wholeheartedly, not in the way he would normally be. Suddenly he was overcome with, with love and compassion for Yaakov. Either way, the significance of the dots are to soften the meaning of the word. It's not quite, either not quite kissed or not quite Aesop. But whichever way, it, the dots indicate that the word is not quite the way it normally, the way it normally means. But it's not that it uproots the word as though it wasn't there. Certainly, according to Rashi's method, that cannot be what it means because otherwise, why write it? If it would mean that it's as though the word wasn't there, if it's an erasure, then why write the word at all? Leave out the dots and leave out the word. So what, what is possible, and here the Rebbe reverts to the earlier Rashi, which you quoted before about Loit, where Rashi says that the dots over the word Uve Kumo, that he didn't know when she went to sleep and when she got up, the word Uve Kumo and when she got up has dots over them, which indicates that he did know when she got up. So over there, it seems that the word is uprooted as though it wasn't there because he did know. So the Rebbe, no. Surely that cannot be the case because if Lloyd really knew that his daughter had just gotten up from next to him, then how were they able to employ the same stratagem the following night? They would know that he knew that they, this is what they had done the night before. That's why Rashi says that Lloyd knew when she got up from next to him. But she did not know that Lloyd knew. In other words, the position of the word Bekumo is kind of uprooted from its place. Instead of referring to Lloyd, it refers to the daughter who is mentioned earlier and later. But it's not in its place when it's talking about Lloyd. That's the meaning of the Nekuda. That therefore, we understand that in our case, being that the letters Aleph Yud Vov in the word Elov, Ayoi, are dotted, that indicates that the question that they asked of sorrow about Avram, Ayoi, where is he, was not as firm as the question which they asked Avraham, where is she? And now, said the Rebbe, we can explain why it was necessary to dot the three letters 
when all you needed to dot is the one letter Lamid, and then we would expound the three letters which spell the word Ayoy words, where is he? Now we understand why, because Rashi wants to point out that if there was a question here which was not fully asked, it was perhaps hinted, it was said in an undertone. However, it was not a fully asked question. Which question was that? It was the question that they asked Sora about Avram. Ayoy, where's he? In what sense is it a softened question? Why is it softened? Said Rebbe, since we're talking about the fact that they're making a point of Sora's modesty. So they, they want to bring out that she's modest. So at the same time, they're going to engage her in conversation and ask her about her husband. So therefore, as she said, that question, which they asked Sora about her husband, was in a way of sneers of modesty. And that's why the three letters, Aleph Yudvob, are dotted. Accordingly, we understand that when Rashi brings from Bava Metzia that they inquired about her in order to make a point of her modesty, not only does it not conflict with the earlier comment that they inquired of Avram about her and of her about him. On the contrary, specifically through the this comment that she was that Nua, she was modest, modest, that explains the dotting on the three letters Aleph Yudvov in the word they love. Now, why is the why does Rashi point out that this comment about her modesty is written in Bova Metzia? Why is the reference important? Says the Rebbe, because in Bova Metzia, as Rashi says, Oimrim, they say, it's not just the opinion of one Tane. But everybody agrees. Not only the one who argues on Reb Shimon ben Elazar. Everybody agrees. Even Reb Shimon ben Elazar would agree that they wanted to make a point of her modesty. And that's why the letters Aleph Yudbov are dotted, as Reb Shimon ben Elazar said. But that comment that they wanted to make a point of her modesty is not sufficient by itself. Because we know already from earlier, from the beginning of Pashat Lech Lecho, where Avram and Sora are going down to Mitzrayim, and Avram Avinu makes the point that Sora had hidden her beauty until then. So we know already that Sora was a snua, she was modest. And the Malachim knew that Avram knew. So what's the point of stressing it now? 
So surely you'll have to say that he only wants to arouse Avraham Avinu to the, to the fact which he knew already that she is a Tznua, an additional endearment. That's a little weak. And therefore, as she says, adds that the Malochim inquired about her in order to send a Koishal Brocha. But that reason about the Koishal Brocha is also insufficient because since they knew where she was, as Rashi says, so they didn't have to ask, where is she, in order to send her a Koishal Brocha. That's why Rashi says that the fact that they, they asked in a lengthy, wordy way, was in order to provoke the answer, to elicit the answer from Avram, she is in the tent. And that way, they would bring out his, her modesty. Another advantage, said the Rebbe, in the interpretation that they wanted to send her a Koyi over the interpretation that they wanted to make a point of her modesty. If they want to stress her modesty, not important where she is. What's important is where she's not. She's not parading out in the open. But they're asking where she is. And that is only understood if they want to send her the Koishobrocha. There it's important where she is. Now, why did the Malochim in fact send Torah a Koishobrocha from their Koishobrocha? and not from Avram, which the Rebbe asked before. So the Rebbe, that's simple. All the time we find that Avram Avinu is standing over them, he's serving them, he's not eating at all. If he's not eating, there is no Koshobrocha from Avram. So they send her their Koshobrocha. And that explains why there's nothing immodest about their sharing the cup the Koshobrocha with her, because that's the only Koshobrocha that there is. And in fact, they didn't bring it to her. They sent it to her through a messenger. And now we come to the next level of interpretation. Until now, we're talking about Pshat. Now we come to the issue of why specifically does here does Rashi name the authors of the statements? First, Reb Shimon ben Elazar, who says that it's etiquette to inquire of the host and the hostess about each other, and Reb Yoisi bar Chanina, who says that they wanted to send a koyisho brocha. Why is it important to know the names? Says the Rebbe. A, a sharp student in the Rebbe's language, a salty student, a seasoned student, might still be bothered by the fact that they send the Koisobrocha to Sora. That doesn't seem all that modest. And why would Sora accept 
the Koisobrocha from strangers. Therefore, says Rashi, you know who said this statement about the Koisobrocha? It was Rabbi Yoisi Bar Hanina. Rabbi Yoisi Bar Hanina says elsewhere in Mr. Tabrochis that a woman has a sharper eye to recognize the character of her guests more than a man. So accordingly, we would understand that Sora would have recognized that these are no ordinary strangers, guests in her home. There's something special about them. And therefore, it was okay for her to accept the Koisobrocha from them because these people are somewhat angelic, even though she doesn't realize that they're actually angels. So it's okay to accept their koshobrocha. After all, said the Rebbe, we still need explanation. We now understand why these three interpretations of Rashi do not conflict, but they're all separate interpretations. So why does Rashi write them all in one flow? Says the Rebbe, Rashi writes it in one flow because these three explanations, each one serves to explain why another one of the three guests asked Avram, where is Zorah? That's the plural, Vayoyimru Elov. They said to Avram, where is Torah? What did they say? Each one had another point. So each interpretation of Rashi, of what they wanted to ask about, was co- corresponds to one of the three, Malachim, who asked the question. One Malach is sufficient to stand the Koyso Broche, and one could ask, how is Sora? And, uh, and the third one could make the point about her knees. So all three explain the three different guests asking, where is Sora? Now, why does Rashi bring the name Reb Shimon ben Alozor as the author of the statement? that it is proper to inquire of the host about the hostess and the hostess about the host. And why is it important that Reb Shimon ben Elozor taught the rule about dotted letters, letters, when the majority of the letters are dotted, expound the dotted ones. When the majority are undotted, expound the undotted ones. Why is it important that it was Reb Shimon ben Elozor who taught that? Says the Rebbe. When you have these dotted letters, it doesn't mean to negate the, the normal shot meaning of the letters but it comes to teach you that there's something additional to be learned. In our case, so we have two meanings of these three letters, 
Aleph Yud Vav. On the one hand, they're part of the word Elov, they're talking to Avram about Sora. On the other hand, they're teaching us as though they were a word on their own, Aleph Yud Vav, Ayoy, where is he? Those three letters that teaching us that they're inquiring of Sora about Avroham as though that was a word in itself. So a seasoned student might ask, does it make sense that you'll have a majority of dotted letters that they should be secondary to the one letter of the word which is not dotted, and they are the letters that are expounded. Even while they form three letters out of a word of which they are part, so Rashi answers that question by saying, you know who taught this rule about dotted letters? Reb Shimon ben Elozor, and Reb Shimon ben Elozor has elsewhere the policy that you can sometimes have a majority which is serving the minority. Where is that? There's a din like this. You're not allowed to bake on Yom Tiv for after Yom Tiv. So you're not allowed to cook more than you need for the Yom Tiv. Nevertheless, says Reb Shimon ben Elazar, a woman may fill an entire oven with bread. And the way the ovens used to work was there was a heat source at the bottom. The oven is made of clay. The heat rises up. And the dough was plastered to the sides of the oven. The more full the oven was, the more evenly the bread baked. If you had just one loaf in the oven, it wouldn't bake well. And therefore, says Reb Shimon ben Elozor, the woman is allowed to bake bread on Yom Tiv, a full oven of loaves of bread. She only needs one for Yom Tiv. So why is she allowed to bake all the rest? Because all the rest serve this one loaf of bread that it should get baked better. So for the sake of the Yom Tiv loaf, she needs to bake all the rest. Likewise, over here, we indeed have three letters, but they become secondary to the letter Lamed in the word Elov. And from here, the Rebbe proceeds to teach a lesson, Yena Shal Torah, the wine of Torah, the deeper dimension of Torah, which is the uh, teaching of Hasidis. The lesson is like this. Sometimes a person can calculate, where's my day going? Where's my time going? The time that I actually spend spend as a Jew on Torah, davening, mitzvahs, is a small minority of the day. Most of the time goes on the needs of the body, 
eating, sleeping, earning a living, that takes up the overwhelming majority of my day. So he can become despondent. There's such a, a great vacuum in his life. And for, the, for this is the lesson that we learn from Reb Shimon ben Alozor, that if the things that one does, like eating, sleeping, earning, are done l'shem shomayim, for Hashem's sake, they are no longer ordinary things. They're no longer mundane. They become a part of the Torah and the mitzvahs which the person does that is facilitated by his eating and drinking and earning. Just like the majority of the loaves in that oven become secondary and they serve and they're part of the process of the one yom of loaf. So too does this majority of the day which a person spends facilitating the minority of the time that he spends on Torah mitzvahs, they too become like that minority of the time. They too are considered part of his avodah Hashem. So no need to be despondent. The Rebbe points out that Torah is also called bread and the baking of the bread that we're talking about is also an allusion to the baking of the bread of Torah. Torah has to be baked with the heat of the love of Hashem. When one does that, then as the Rambam puts it, then if one loves Hashem and serves him out of love, then he's constantly serving him. Even when he's dealing in his business, even when he's sleeping, his sleep is a way of serving Hashem. Which is, of course, the point of all of creation to make Hashem, to make for Hashem a dwelling place below. So this person is making a dwelling place for Hashem in the lowest of the below while he's sleeping. And the Rebbe concludes with a brocha that this kind of baking should become a preparation for the time of Moshiach when the Gemara says that the earth of Eretz Yisrael will produce ready-made food and we won't even need the baking process May it happen very speedily through Mashiach Tidkenu.